0: <laughs> hey, everybody. My name is Greg Garner, and I am joined today by Mitchell Buchanan and Jason Carpenter. Hello. And on this continued value of generosity, we are going to look at Mitchell's sermon which came from the book of James, chapter 1, verse 17, which reads, Every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Mitchell, I would love to know <laughs> <laughs> what it was that you thought you, you were really trying to drive to their home, but maybe the package wasn't delivered to the door. <laughs> what? How could you help Amazon get us that Prime delivery? I'm not helping them Confirm with anything. Confirm photo. <laughs> um, let me think. That's a good. That's a
1: good question, Greg. I love being uh, prodded in that way. <laughs> no, I think uh, it's hard to reflect on. Overall, the my sermon and what I feel like I lacked, or like what kind of didn't
0: hit all the not, way home. I, I, but I'm not I saying think, that you lack something, I'm just like thinking there was something that you really wanted people to get. And if you want to just take this opportunity right. to reiterate it, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I think the text, something I would want to say is like the main jam is I think the text is pretty clear throughout James of the contrast between there, there there's some that are wealthy and some that are quite poor in that, in that community that he's addressing. And I think even the key verse of seeing every generous gift is from above from the father of lights. I think the text around that and how that's set up, we should see ourselves as as believers, as people that fulfill needs that are in our midst. So I think something it that I I feel from James one, it's not just, Hey, every generous and perfect gifts from the father of lights that we kind of turn our heads up and just attribute everything like, thank you, Lord, or thank you that, Mm -hmm. that we can still see, Hey, this is a a communal effort. This is an effort from those people beside us that we're meeting needs in our midst and that we can see that activity as um, someone is helping my needs. Someone's giving in a way that's very generous that they're of course manifesting the spirit of god and i think we can attribute hey mm. that's the lord's activity is my brother is helping
0: me out right now i think some people would hear you say that and feel like you're um belittling the power of god and what it is that he's able to do because you're saying like instead of people going to god and saying thank you for giving me this good and perfect gift mm-hmm. instead we need to go and identify in other people their generosity and then say, that's the Spirit of God working in their life. How how could you assure me that's not what's happening when you're saying those things?
1: I think if we have a mentality of, if I receive generosity, if I am given something that, that we should always attribute it to the Lord, but I think we can expand our vision that we aren't the the text is pretty clear in drawing those distinct differences. So it's not like, Hey, we, we don't acknowledge if someone's wealthy or poor, we see all things coming from the Lord. I think those differences are apparent. And I think, to ignore them or just to focus solely on, Hey, every good and perfect gift from above. I think that definitely is true. I think if we have the mentality of no, it's from everyone around us, we get in a weird social situation where it's comparative and it all has to be equal mm. or it's jealousy and that I'm defined by everyone around me. I think rather the text wants us to focus on like we're sustained by the Lord that when we have lack that we focus on the Lord, he gives us endurance. Mm. But I think, James continues to try to prod of like that that is met by those around us, and I don't think we always know in what way it is met. So I think our mentality should always be like, "No, thank you, Lord." Like that, this, this is such a good thing that's happened in my life. Is that?
0: Yeah, I that think I think we're getting somewhere. Okay. Uh, my, my concern is that someone would hear what you said at the outset, and again, hear you kind of move more like along the lines of. Like a, a people oriented type of religion that um, tips a hat to to God <laughs> at the end, and I, and I and I think some people would be very comfortable with that. I think other mm. people would would um, could be offended because mm. they they do want to develop their relationship with God and acknowledge God, but um, I, I guess I'm looking for you to help me understand how. Uh, those two things could exist together. Um, I, I do find it um, that the text is revealing God's position as a father mm-hmm. in the text. So it makes me think of parental analogies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know that um, I remember being a kid at church and it was time to like give money to the missionaries, you know, for the offering. I didn't have any money, but my parents <laughs> would give me like a dollar or something, you know, put mm-hmm. it in my hand. And then I right. would go up and put it in the missionary plate, yeah. and I felt pretty good, mm. you know, about that. Now the origin of that money was my parents, right? right. But I was the conduit or the vessel mm-hmm. right. by which that money made it mm-hmm. to the the missionary family. So I, I think maybe an an analogy like that could help people to understand that God is the source, right? right. Because even the concept of Father of Lights. Within whom there's no <laughs> variation or shadow uh, due to change. Like the idea here is like faithfulness mm-hmm. and consistency, but also uh, a source. Mm-hmm. Right. When we're talking about mm-hmm. the shadow uh, of, of 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 change, we're talking about time. Right. Right. I, I think we all know what a sundial is. Yeah. So if you have a sundial and you have a light <laughs> coming down, the the dial's shadow moves according to time, time. Right. Yeah. The passing of time. And this text is seeming to communicate to us that um, God's consistency defies even time, Mm -hmm. that God is not bound to time when it comes to how it is that he wants to reveal himself even through generous acts and um, gifts according to the text. So that being the case, if if I'm thinking about God who's the father and like the concept of father of lights here has him in like the dual position of like the God. Cause you get images of creation, mm-hmm. you get the sundial concept, you get space and time or like right. two things that we often are intangibles in terms yeah. of how we understand the created order. But the the wisdom here is that um, God then, and according to what you're saying, who can, be a father to his kids is going to develop that consistency um, of generosity or or care and love through the obedience of his kids who end up carrying that forward and this is how um, time is defied yeah. you know uh I, and to me the implication here is that this is a value that has to be taught in in the family of God yeah. mm-hmm. that because if you ask pragmatically, how like we, we can think about it philosophically and and start going well God is ageless he's immortal of course there's no variation he's right. he's timeless he's ageless but when we talk about time we're rarely talking about God we're talking about human beings mm-hmm. who are subject to that and God who's the author of it who created it mm-hmm. how, how does how does that timelessness emerge except that uh we are taught this over the course of generations. And mm-hmm. I think the father imagery helps us to get there.
1: I think also the the text, because it, they'll describe a wealthy person in language that withers away. It's like a flower where mm. the petals fall. It draws a contrast with the timelessness you're talking about, yeah, the yeah, Lord man. where, and I think that's that's so great because our wealth can just vacillate so quickly on like a bad business decision, you'll see in Ecclesiastes and it's all gone or yeah. somewhere where it, it it can feel very secure and then, you know, just slip away and yeah. it's like we ha- we don't have. And I think what you're talking about is like... I don't think the text even derides like a wealthy person is a bad person. I think it's like when a wealthy person does not respond to a brother in need. Hmm. I think that's where even the text has strong words to say about it. But if you have...
0: If Especially you have, if, they're, if they're part of this family of correct, faith. Right? Correct. I think that's and, the And underlying. I agree with you. There's there's the, the text is not trying to say anything negative inherently about people with wealth. Yeah. But it is charging them with the responsibility correct. to act as the children of the father. Who gives generously, mm-hmm. and that uh, you know, even in our culture, when we talk about time and its origin, if we want to mythologize it, we talk about father time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. that you got father time, undefeated, yeah. undefeated as father time, <laughs> who, who's who's just you know, um, this. This overseer of the generations yeah. remains consistent. Well, in our biblical text, we we don't identify those mythological uh, <laughs> creatures. We we identify that God sits in this role in this position, and it. I, I think popularly today, when you hear about wealth, and you hear people like giving you revelations on wealth, they'll talk about generational wealth. They mm-hmm. have to produce generational right. wealth, and generational wealth is produced by often um, withholding, saving, mm-hmm. investing. Um, uh, discipline, you know, people have their different things. Yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. any of it's inherently bad, but according to this text, it seems like the revelation is that our father who has um, been here since the whole thing began, mm. who continues in faithful sustainability, we're his kids. And um, as you pointed out in, in the generations, you have, Uh, wealth that exists in families, but that wealth is not in and of itself sustainable. But again, it goes back to the, the character of the persons mm-hmm. who now throughout the generations can sustainably exhibit the Father in Heaven's way of being, mm. which is uh, generous and gift-giving.
2: Yeah, I think something you were saying, Greg, that made me think about stewardship the way that you were talking about, like your, your analogy of being at church and your parents yeah. giving you something and then you giving that on. I think similarly, if we're following that imagery in this text, it's like if God's our Father and he's so generous— we are then given things that we would be good stewards of so that when we encounter people in our family faith who have need, we have a responsibility to be good stewards of that and give mm-hmm. also. Um, I think that was something. Yeah, so it,
0: instead of investing into systems of this world that like the grass wither right. and fall away because they're part of a created order, mm-hmm. we now invest into the 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 father's family. right? And, and we act generously as he's generous to see them thriving. Because a big part of the backdrop on James is that there, there um, is this economic class distinction between the poor and the rich. By the time you get to chapter five, you, you get a pretty clear charge that there are some people in the community who aren't paying their yeah, workers on time, holding payment. Yeah. right? And because they're not paying their workers on time, they think that, um, it's it, There's of no consequence, but the text wants to say that God in heaven hears right. the complaints mm-hmm. of those workers. And so James is giving them the wisdom to say, hey, there's another character that's involved in your considerations here that, that maybe you're not getting um, direct enforcement. Because yeah, sometimes <laughs> it, when we do something and we think because right. we got away with it, there must be no right. consequence. But James is saying, God is, listening, mm-hmm. hearing the cries and watching and he wants you to do things in a timely manner and get these things to people. And so it's it's not even that Sometimes I think generosity we think is gratuity. Every time we think generous giving means that it's giving something freely to somebody who doesn't deserve it. But the context for James twofold in the first chapter, the thing that God wants to give is wisdom. That's mm-hmm. what we learned right after the first couple of verses, right. right? This is something he'll give liber- liberally if you ask. Mm-hmm. You know, the R thing got me, liberally <laughs> yeah. if you ask. But then it, going to chapter five, you can see that there is an act of generosity that exists in paying wages on time. Yeah. And when you don't do that, it it's something that God is sensitive to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I think when we reread this here, and we qualify every generous act, it's a spectrum of generosity that again goes back to like obligations, Mm -hmm. things that we're supposed to do. And then it it also tags on the reputation of God. Mm -hmm. Because if we are identifying that God is using the kids as a vessel Mm -hmm. to extend his generosity, when we don't do that, that's now impacting God's... God's right. reputation, which um, for he can only resolve by getting the people in line. So when you read that chapter five text, and he's like, you've got to pay him on time. If they still decide not to pay him on time, people in the community are, are going, I, rarely do people go, um, Wow, this is everybody's fault for not being obedient to God. That's why this isn't happening. <laughs> right. More often, people will say something's wrong. This isn't right, mm-hmm. and they they will crowd to God and say, "God, do something," and then they jump to evil mm. rather than recognizing that there needs to be growth. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I Mitchell. What do you think about like the the concept of perfect gift in your study? What is perfect gift about? Is this like a the really right gift? Is that what that means? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't dig into like that
1: that particular nuance of like every you know the how each gift is perfect. I think it would just be like what. What is needed? That would be my like assumption going in, mm. but I didn't like spend a ton of time gotcha. on on unearthing what every perfect gift is. But
0: I know that this letter is to the diaspora community, which yeah. means they're spread out amongst the Gentiles, right? But they have Jewish origins, mm-hmm. and being spread out amongst the Gentiles, it, this is also a latter le- letter. So likely a lot of them entered into a, a diaspora that. Um, uh, has them now experiencing Gentile or Hellenistic culture yeah. to a great degree. Now in in Hellenism, the concept of perfect had to do with the stars and the mm. planets and like you know the different orbs mm. that were in the sky or the lights. Right. So when to, when to me when I'm I'm reading this, I can't help but hear the Hellenistic overtones. Yeah. That James is trying to appeal to as he's discussing. Hebrew wisdom, which we know like the grass of the field, that's coming from like even Hebrew prophetic texts mm-hmm. and wisdom texts. But then you're you're looking at this concept of perfection. I think what I want to uh, communicate here is I don't believe that this is talking about like the well thought out gift, like that, <laughs> oh, that gotcha. super awesome gift gotcha. that came from God, dude. Like I, I don't, I don't think that's the gas cards didn't come from God. The Visa check cards
1: didn't come from God. Instead, it's like we're looking at
0: we're looking at the for the Greeks understanding that the worlds in which they were created and their position. Because remember, even for them, they they would they would highlight the lights as ways in which they made sense of direction mm-hmm. ways in which they made sense of even their own historical narratives mm-hmm. what happens to their heroes like that they, they these guys are coming from those lights and returning to those lights mm-hmm. and um there's there's a gift then with respect to the kind of direction that these lights in the heavens give and that's because the these things are um you, you know like we we Uh, think about astronomy and we have the science of how things are moving in solar systems (laughs) and how orbits Uh, and and the gravity of different stars pull things into their atmosphere. So like we have all of these words, right? But for them, the idea was like, these things got placed in the heavens and that was their position. They had fixed positions. That's why you could follow the North Star, Mm -hmm. had a fixed position. And if you're lost, dude, that North Star is a gift. Like it was placed (laughs) there and it's gonna give you direction and you're gonna be illuminated out of whatever lostness you experience. So I think a pretty cool thing about this text is that. That um, the the generosity of God includes direction, mm. and there's a gift when we're able to receive wisdom from God. That's that's a direction, and that this is this is a generosity that can exist in our generations if we even continue to share this kind of wisdom mm-hmm. and we share that direction that comes from the Father. And to me, that's why, in contrast to the generational wealth where people are investing into uh, different systems that are gonna ensure that their future's intact or their children's future or their children's children. This here has it so that we are investing into our children the wisdom that comes from God, which is the perfect gift to give us direction into the future because there's no shadow of change in him. He's consistency, Mm -hmm. there's there's something fixed about the way in which God created the world and and made order. I mean, that's wisdom literature, right? Wisdom literature is that uh, there's the created order and God designed it in such a way that we can learn things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Paul the Apostle in Romans chapter one will highlight that there's like this general revelation uh, uh, just by observing creation Mm -hmm. and the created order. Ecclesiastes is all about observing the created order in such a way that you derive wisdom. So I, I think this th- there's something very powerful about recognizing that uh, helping people to understand the direction that God gives or the light that He mm-hmm. gives us, and, and we know all of the metaphors in the Bible about that light. It's a it's the Word of God, the lamp to our feet, the light to our path. Uh, when we are able to re- give and receive that from one another there's there's something incredibly sustainable about what God wants to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that in the first chapter, because the community is going through all these trials and they're supposed to like count count all of this all joy, which is gonna be like an act of faith. Right. The, his response here is that, yeah, you need to develop faith as you persevere, but you also need to gain wisdom from God, which he will give to you freely, but you've got to ask of it. Mm-hmm. And so then the people are kind of preoccupied because usually when people are going through hard times and trials, they, they they, are trying to figure out their own ways out of it. Mm-hmm. And I think for most people throughout history, the way you get out of a hard time is you pay your way out of it. Yeah. You find some way of garnering resources so that you can um, fix the problem, right? I'm sick, I need more therapy, mm-hmm. I need more money. I'm, I have debt, gotta pay it off, I need more money. I need rest. Uh, I would be nice to go on that trip. I mm. need more money. Whatever it is, right. we we head in that direction. But this text is is wanting to highlight. I believe that the perfect gift is the wisdom that comes from God that gives us direction. Yeah, and it's relevant throughout all the generations. Yeah. It won't change. There's a consistency to it, mm-hmm. and we can pass it down. So when I think about like generosity and the investments that we make. And like, it's like, do I invest in my child's biblical education or do I get worried about them playing club, whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You know, it's like, which one is sustainable? Which one's going to wither with the grass and which one is going to carry them mm-hmm. into the next generation? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't know. I thought that was a, a cool little yeah, thing to bring up what, in the text.
1: from what you were saying, something that I... That I, I really liked was how I think, as the book goes on, and then just an acknowledgement that, like in in our dealings with one another, even if they're, you know, financial obligations, that the Lord is present. Mm. and that should, like reorient even our understanding of how we deal with one another, not in a way of like, oh crap, the Lord's here. I better not like screw someone over. But like (laughs) even having a confidence of someone who lacks of like, Hey, the Lord is here. in like my social relationships and interactions, Mm -hmm. like I can have like a vulnerability and a trust that like, I can like even expose
0: my need or like, you know, say, Hey, I'm in need. And that won't be. uh, But you know, when people do that though, I think one of the things I'm trying to drive home here I know it was your sermon, but one of the thing's <laughs> in this podcast I want to drive home: you're is cooking that is no, if, no. <laughs> if you're if you're bringing up that need with me and I lack resources, uh-huh. I have an eternal resource in God's wisdom for sure, and I need to recognize that this is something that God wants to give to you, and so I shouldn't be afraid to give you that light, mm-hmm. to give you that wisdom. I should recognize it as a generous act, mm-hmm. and and I think sometimes people feel bad about giving advice or sharing things, because you could have a friend. <laughs> I know I've had friends who are like, yeah, we're in this hard situation, did this. And I'm just thinking through through my head, yeah, it's because you did this, 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 and this. Yeah. Like you shouldn't have done those things. I don't know why you did that. Mm-hmm. And, and But like I don't wanna talk about it because it seems offensive or it seems like um, it's none of my business and I just need to help them. So I think we get fixated on the solution hmm. rather than looking at and uh, valuing the fact that this person could use some direction. Yeah. This person could use some wisdom. Because I think we've all seen where you have a person, I don't know, let's say they got into debt, you help them with their debt, and then what happens next year? They're in debt that, again. Yeah. <laughs> they needed some wisdom. Yeah. They needed some direction mm-hmm. from God so that they moved forward in life mm-hmm. instead of kept you know staying put in that place. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think... No, totally. It totally makes yeah, cause sense. Yeah, because if you're going to share something with me, I may not have the resources to do anything about what you're saying. Right. Right. But I can but definitely that shouldn't give eliminate you, you from contributing and being yeah. generous. Right. And having a conversation, asking questions and offering direction, light from God, yeah. his word. Right. Which it, you know, chapter one shows
1: that God's wisdom is given freely to anyone who asks. And it does contrast, I think, the you know, the illusory powers of money where you know, God's wisdom is everlasting. It is given to Mm -hmm. everyone who seeks. And I think there's opportunities that we have with whatever it is. It's time. It's my, you know, financial resources. It's maybe physical resources to share. Mm -hmm. If I am using, you know, tapping into God's wisdom, which is generous, which is like something that will extend to other people. But like what you're saying, in having moments to invest into those around us, into people that, that will go through the generations and not just invest into a, a particular thing of um, an experience or something that I can like possess, that it's like, that that's gonna um, produce so much more fruit, produce so much more, I think, even blessing from God. Uh, and it, it orients our minds where it's like, we're still living in according where God is in our midst, not that I am individually trying to live out my faith. It's like, no, no, God is in our midst together. Mm -hmm. So when I can share that wisdom with one another, it's bringing God into every conversation. So it's like financial, it's like a a Soma, like a spiritual relationship someone has with their community. We're trying to like birth forth, I think God's, that conversation with the Lord. And I think in James just directly like, hey, there's like rich and there's poor. Like, have you all talked about this? Like, why are you treating them different? It's like kind of exploding that wisdom into even very, very practical conversations of like, invite the Lord into into your dealings. Invite Mm -hmm. the Lord into like how you live your life. And I think what you're saying is like so awesome because if we're in that mentality of like, it all becomes a financial thing and it's like, oh, it just becomes this dichotomy of like rich and poor. You just get in a space where you individually are relying on one another or you feel like you're just compelled to be giving if you're in a rich or poor position. But like when we come before the Lord and say, like, give us, you know, I'm seeking wisdom. We're seeking wisdom as a community. Please give that to us. And then a conversation can be birthed from there. We're going to see, you know, every good and perfect gift, I think. No, Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I was just trying to give some legs and like, I think,
0: work out even practically how we... I, I think in Christian communities, especially if, let's say you're a person of resources and you come into a Christian community where... Uh, just like in this community that James is writing to, you have a lot of people who have a lot of needs. Yeah, People are going to be looking to you for answering a lot of the problems. For sure. And they're going to expect your resources mm-hmm. to answer those problems. And uh, if, if you use all those resources to answer those problems and people aren't guided by the wisdom of God, all those resources will be, will be lost. Yeah. And then now you're all lost together. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to remember that the Acts community right in in their desire to do good mm-hmm. found themselves collecting all of their resources, putting them at the apostles' feet, trying to manage this new reality that they believe Jesus had ushered in. And then it all culminates in challenges and persecutions that ultimately uh, lead to them being characterized as poor, yeah, right when the when the economy tanks and they mm-hmm. enter into what the Bible call famine, and James is assassinated, like the community now becomes the recipients of Paul the Apostle's missionary journey offering collection, right? right. right? So that text helps us to understand that you can have people who go, yeah, it's gonna be generous, it's good to share. But if you don't have people who have the wisdom of God to figure out what to do with those resources and how to teach people yeah. to manage those resources, you're just gonna create a bunch of people who ultimately are gonna find themselves poor together. Right. And um when I when I read those texts in James, where it's like talking about avoiding the impartiality between the rich and the poor, which is the big point there, mm-hmm. right? It's not like just saying, Act like nobody's rich and nobody's poor. Yeah. Right. It's like don't don't discriminate right. based upon people's economic class. It seems the reason for that is because we can all learn from each other and we all need each other to grow. Yeah. The rich person needs the 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 poor person to balance out the, the potential greed and and evil that emerges out of loving a resource over God and 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 others, and then the poor person needs the the wealthy person to help them get out of a situation that maybe without their help, they can't move forward in life. Mm-hmm. but at the same time you you want to manage that. So uh, I'll give you a practical example, right and and this is I don't know if anybody's gonna judge you for this, but I'll give you a very <laughs> practical example. There was a guy he had come around and he was actually with another guy who, who was um, operating in like a liaison position with him and he they were asking for money to help them with their ministry. and they were asking me for a big donation. To go towards the ministry, and the ministry was getting people saved. People were coming to know the Lord, and I asked how much it was going to cost. It was the extravagant amount of money, <laughs> and it was going to need that's a hot. lot of people to come together. <laughs> extravagant. Seven digits plus, and and that's, um, that's not what they were asking me for, but they're asking for a bunch of people to in total, cumul- in total, oh, right, to get there. You know, and um, so I just started asking some questions. And, as I kept listening, I said, "Have you been the one that has been mostly financially responsible for making this happen?" And the person admits that they were and and because they were doing well financially, had a good business, it was going successful. And so he had the money to be able to do this very generous thing that was exposing people to the gospel. And, um, I listened. I asked more questions. and um i I, I found out like some of the shortcomings of, Of the program, so then I was told, um, "Would you still give to it so we could have it happen?" And I said, "Well, you know, your goals seem to be more aligned with a local community presence and having a place there. Why don't you? um, Why don't you take what could be one fourth of what you're trying to raise, invest it into this other thing that would then be a venue for implementing the kind of ministry? It'll be on a smaller scale, but it's it's going to be sustainable." Yeah. And they they they're like really fixated on the thing that they were doing, and they asked me to donate again. I said, "Here's the deal: I won't donate, but I will invest with you into this other operation when when you're ready." And I'll do it at and I and I named five times the amount they were asking for to go into that opportunity. Um, in the moment, I don't think it set well at <laughs> all. And months later, I I would have some communication with the person who was like, I was so. <laughs> And, and this 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 person English is not their first language, so it was a little choppy and they are like trying to tell me I was so kind of put off by um, you talking to me like that, but then I realized you might have been the only person telling me the truth hmm. over the course of all this so I, I have more questions and I'm worn out and I'm tired and I'm exhausted hmm. and um I, I said, well, for me I didn't if I, if I just gave that away, you're just gonna spend it. you're not thinking about how to make it work, yeah. how to get something out of it that would last, that would be sustainable. So I I narrowed the scope of what I would be a part of because I want to see it sustainable and that it would have accountability. It'd be the harder thing, but it'd be the better thing. Mm. And um, I think that some people would judge me because they would be thinking I'm not Um, being generous and I'm not giving towards the advancement of the gospel, which I would say that's not the case. Hmm. I wanted to see the advancement of the gospel, but in a qualitative fashion that made someone responsible for resources and that uh, just because I'm giving resources, I can be generous in that I, I I'm taking a risk, yeah, right? Giving someone resources to try something mm-hmm. that you're not sure is going to work is a right. risk. If you give it with no consequence, uh, especially when it comes to like ministerial things like this, it's one thing to give generously to somebody who needs to eat right. That's different for sure right. Yeah. That's different than uh, putting together some kind of something that is um for uh, extending the gospel, mm-hmm. you know. You guys get what I'm saying, yes. right? Yeah. So uh, I'm just thinking that when it comes to uh, the impartiality segment in the book of James, where it, it's not to ignore people's economic class, it's to bring emphasis to the fact that they exist and that also they all need the wisdom of God yeah. and that they need each other and that they have to help each other grow. People don't become wealthy because they just uh give everything like like wild, right? Yeah. Look at the the second son in the prodigal son story when uh, the younger son and he goes out and says he lavishly spends, right? He comes he, next next scene he's eating with the pigs, <laughs> yeah. right? He right. doesn't he doesn't have any resources. It, well, that's how the father is. No, the father wasn't like that. The father obviously had resources at his house yeah. and was exacting business in some kind of way that uh resources were going to be plentiful I think when I was a young believer I just I just thought that like what God wanted us to do with our resources was just as simple as distribution mm. just getting it out there right. right in instead of recognizing that the the very economy of the ground that God created requires the sowing of a seed, the cultivating mm-hmm. of the earth, the watering of the seed, the watching after so that you pick out the weeds mm-hmm. and prevent the thorns from emerging, and then actually um, uh, tending to it till it bears fruit. And then right? the cycle of going back And then the doing ground. it again, yeah. right? And taking it, the seeds from that to create yeah, more then seeds. then you have the element of people
2: watching, like the way that you give your resources, and you give to something like, and then that something fails and it's supposed to represent god yeah there's a consequence there like the expectation is we're supposed to be like a city on a hill a light to the yeah. nations and if we're investing our resources into things that are, are failing like yeah. what does that mean like what kind of direction are we offering it, right
1: it also yeah, yeah yeah, i'm totally with you it, <laughs> i think it also sparked in me like a um when you're saying just it's easier to
0: distribute, just like, yeah. hey, just to, like, give it. it like, Remember, because that's what the apostles were doing. Right. They were they were preoccupied with the daily distribution. And they were right. even discriminating against the Hellenistic widows when, yeah. because, uh, you know, they weren't Jewish. And so they're <laughs> like, we don't have the resource for all this. Let's prioritize the Jewish creating partiality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Well, it just removes,
1: like, if, you know, it's just, like, get rid of it or just, like, hey, just, like, let's disperse it. It removes, I think, your own healthy, I think uh, – inner disposition with like how, how to do this or how to wrestle with it and inviting God in that moment where it's like, Hey, it's not just supposed to be as easy of like, if I get it, I immediately give it right now. Someone else is having to take care of me. It's like yeah finding even your own conviction with the Holy spirit of like, Hey, I have this, I'm charged with being generous with it. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, how do I engage the Lord and to be able to give it this to others? This is supposed to
0: be like bringing like appropriate and I believe accountability to leaders. Here, here's here's the the thing I think that would be a mistake if people perceived what we're talking about as merely being an exhortation to individuals to be individual stewards of their individual resources. Mm-hmm. The reality is that all groups of people like our church are communities and people are experiencing blessing within the scope of their work or their business and now there's the kingdom work that they have to do and but they may not have the time or energy to um sit in that position to administer that other kind of work mm-hmm. so i would never say don't distribute at all remember the the thing was they laid it at the apostles feet the problem was the apostles didn't know how to steward all of that sure they lacked the Well would there be a
1: problem in removing the what I was saying, if like yeah. if you immediately give, is there a problem
0: removing? I think
1: that working out your own faith, like working out that tension. No, I think that's
0: fantastic. I think you gave great advice. What what I wouldn't want to have happen is that the person all of a sudden then believes that they must develop a conviction for a ministerial apparatus. That um, has a return of investment, mm. and next thing you know, you have a church of two hundred people. You have you. you have a church of two hundred individual entrepreneurs yeah. who are all trying to figure out the same thing. <laughs> right? God created us as a body. Instead, we need to recognize that uh, you know Ephesians four eleven, and He gave gifts, and that there are people who are put in these positions in the body to help administer what it is that the body is producing right. together. So when the when the pastor or your church is like, "Hey guys, let's give towards," offering that's going to go towards this thing mm-hmm. your responsibility is yes to give and and to be a part of that especially as god provides the means and proportion to your faith but mm-hmm. also to be the kind of stewards that ask the questions and say hey what would we do with that right how, how 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 did we use that and if you find out the leadership is like we just gave it freely we just gave it with whatever. And now <laughs> any reasonable person's going to, so we're going to have to do this again next year. Yeah, right. Like, did you guys know that foundations who give grants or the government when it gives grants, they rarely give um, grants like for an undetermined uh, in perpetuity? Yeah, right? right. They don't do that. They usually say, we're going to give you this grant for the next five years. Mm-hmm. It's going to be 100000 this year it's gonna be 80 the next, 60 the next, mm-hmm. 40 the next, and 20 in the last year, because they expect you to develop capacity to independently operate without the help, right? right. Uh, that's wise, there's wisdom in that. Yeah. It, it makes the people who are implementing the processes develop their capacity in such a way that it becomes a sustainable institution. And you know, they're not dependent. Uh, in and of itself, and it's yeah. not dependent. And, and, and that's empowerment, right? Yep. And so when your church has a program or you're offering something, those are the questions that I think people who are good with resources and money are afraid to ask in the church yeah. because we turned it so magical. We're just like, I'm gonna give, I'm letting go, I'm letting God. (laughs) And it's like, no, let's figure out what this went towards. Because if if you're like, I gave this money towards biblical education, I wanna know how many people were taught. Where are they now? What are they saying about it? How is it impacting their communities? Mm -hmm. And then when you find out, not only are they being taught, but these guys are turning into the next teachers. Mm-hmm. and this is going to change our operating expense because as we have American teachers because of the cost of living in the United States it costs X plus hundred and when we when these guys are getting trained up as teachers because of your help we're able to mm-hmm. now accommodate that yeah now we can subtract 100 because in this country it's just going to cost X yeah right and now they can operate independent do you get what I'm saying yep. yeah and I think from that
1: uh, th- that activity, with a proper mindset, with with like a proper approach, like we should be seeing even questions for, um, how things were spent, or I think results from what happened as an extension of a faith-filled conversation. Yeah. Not as a, a critical, doubtful. Right. Thank you. C-
0: Great point. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> concern where because it can go the other way. Right. And it, it's about.
1: Even trusting one another and the approach you have, where it's like, "Hey, I am, you know, giving my resources, my time, whatever mm-hmm. it is, and I want to make sure that, like, I as I'm approaching that, engaging God in my faith, that like this is re- returning results." I can examine myself. Am I not giving enough? Am I not giving more? Is the program at fault? But I'm really engaging in those conversations with a position of faith, not just to pick at something that I think may be a problem and then mm-hmm. be like, well, see, I knew from or the get Or talk get-go. about it really good.
2: in your own circles. Like, right. what are they even doing with that money? Yeah. Like, right. Like, rather than actually talking to people, that could actually help you
0: understand. And going back to the verse, recognizing that God has given us wisdom. Mm. That and that illuminating light that comes from his word is is not irrelevant. It's gonna, just like Jesus said, not across the T dot of the I is irrelevant. Heaven and earth can pass away. Mm -hmm. The word of God's gonna be relevant. So if we can hear the biblical rationale for why we're doing what we're doing, because that word is a word of faith Mm -hmm. and the things that we're called to do for God, to please God are gonna be things on the other side of faith. For without faith, it's impossible, please God. So like an example to, to close out here is, we've been visited recently by uh, Manohar Paul from India. Yeah. He's, he's been with us for several Mano, weeks. And, and it's so been an awesome. incredible blessing yeah. to have him. And um, I, I on Sunday, we got to hear from him, talk, uh, in the church service and then after in a, a, a meeting. Mm-hmm. And in that meeting, he was able to stand on the stage and speak of the way in which God has built him up mm-hmm. and highlight through gratitude that who he's become and who his wife's become has been a result of this community's investment mm-hmm. into their lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I looked at the room, there there were tears in mm-hmm. people's eyes because they were witnessing what God builds. Right. Mm-hmm. But that was a faith-filled procedure. It's hard to gather the appropriate data based upon worldly metrics for what it is that God's building. Mm-hmm. And it does take time. If if we would have expected that result from him in the first couple of years, we wouldn't have never got it. I mean, just a few years ago, um, and he knows this, he he wasn't even responding to emails with respect to Bible courses. Mm-hmm. He wasn't turning in homework or doing anything. This last time he was just talking about how it moved him, mm-hmm. like that there was change. He He actually was one of the key voices into helping us change it around so it would be more effective with an international audience yeah. Oh, nice. and yeah so like I, I I think that sometimes we can misunderstand what's happening and then jump to our own conclusions and be critical mm-hmm. but what you're saying I think is so valuable in this conversation that we need to by faith engage in in the kind of question asking and inquiry that has leadership, Giving a report because mm-hmm. I, I know that for me, one of my big things in leadership is I feel like I can never, I never have enough time to give any good reports. There's so many good things to talk about, mm-hmm. I don't have time to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And it always goes better when someone asks a question because there's so much happening. I, I, I I'm moving from one thing to the next, and I don't even know what people don't know at that point. <laughs> right. And so, indeed, getting involved in the kind of faith-filled inquiry that helps us to all be accountable to the way in which we're stewarding the wisdom of God, mm-hmm. which is gonna ultimately culminate in the generational expansion of his family yeah. into the nations. It, it that's that's just like a really, really powerful um value to have yeah, as absolutely. a church community. Yeah and, and I really believe we have it. And I'd I like too. to see it more.
1: Yeah. And I pray just from this conversation that we will this this will kind of uh uh build in our whole church where it's like, we aren't afraid of restrictions on like, Hey, we all should have that wisdom of the, of God pouring out of us in a way that we build one another up. Mm-hmm. It's like, whether it's asking questions or bringing something to light, mm-hmm. I think James should empower all of us. Like, Hey, like whatever we feel like the, uh, restrictions are, whatever we feel is like holding us back. We can freely ask the Lord for wisdom. He can freely give it every like great and perfect gift is from him. And it's like, let's, open up more avenues to, I think, have faithful conversations, to have even, James is very plain, have plain conversations. I don't know if I have enough to meet my needs. Like, I mm. need some wisdom from someone. Like, extending those out can just bring so much life and opportunities for people to invest into one another and see God, like, God's generosity just pour over us. It's like, mm. this is super exciting. So... Yeah. um Thanks. I think this was a a great convo. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I'm glad
1: my sermon uh, turned up something here. (laughs) Thanks for having
2: us on your podcast, Mitch. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um,
1: Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from the Church Community for G.O.D. Wherever you're listening, leave us a five-star review and subscribe for future episodes. More than anything, let's keep pushing these conversations in our homes. When we gather in hangouts, at work, in texts, we want this word to carry with all of us everywhere we go till we get back together again. Thanks, everybody.